Welcome to the Negative Space Podcast. I'm your host, Sean, and today we are going to hear a little bit from my neighbors, Mitch and Donna. I met them while hosting Tuesday Night Tacos and Trivia at Blue Ridge, and they are always kind to share their latest adventures in a Hershey's chocolate with me. It has been a pleasure to get to know them over the last few months, and it was truly an honor to interview them and listen to just a small part of the story that they have to tell. But before we begin, I'd like to take a moment to thank the sponsors of this episode. Summer temperatures are ramping up, and you need a cool place to chill with a nice drink in your hand. Come to Blue Ridge Brewing Company for a cool, refreshing mango tango. Sit back, relax, like you've got it made in the shade at their rooftop escape. Or maybe you're ready to spice things up after a long week with a Sunday brunch with friends featuring a Birdie Mary. That's an entire roasted chicken sitting on top of a pitcher full of Bloody Mary, ready for you to relax and enjoy the simpler things in life. Whether it's brunch on a Sunday or a night out on a Friday, Blue Ridge Brewing Company has got you covered with amazing drinks, great food to keep you coming back for more. Take a break this summer and enjoy the hospitality of Blue Ridge Brewing Company at 308 Trade Street in Greer, South Carolina. You've worked hard to make your yard a place of peace and solitude in this world. Secure that sanctuary with privacy and protection with a fence from King's Contracting LLC. Give Russell from King's Contracting LLC a call today to get your beautifully crafted wood, vinyl, metal, or chain link fence just the way you want it and get back to enjoying the calm of your own backyard. Call King's Contracting LLC at 864-910-3012 for your new fence today. My interview with Mitch and Donna is split into two parts. First, we're going to take a listen to how they met and how Donna became involved with the Olympics in Atlanta in the 90s, and also how they are somehow connected to the painter Bob Ross. Later this week, we'll hear from Mitch about his work as a sales engineer for a telecommunications company and his newfound hobby as a ham radio operator. Thank you for taking time to listen to their story, and I hope you enjoy. When did you all meet? Uh, grade 11. 1971. Two. Two. 71, 72. 72. Okay. Yeah. Grade 11. In Ottawa? In, yeah. In, in Ottawa. High school. January 29th. Physics class. <laughs> oh. Okay, so you're smart too. Oh, she's no dummy. <laughs> I was, uh, <clears throat> I was having trouble in physics class first semester. And, and I, I was started having trouble in math. Uh, so I started dating him in, uh, well, it, it's actually kind of a funny story. <laughs> it is a funny I was story. very, very shy. What? Extreme, extremely shy. And I had a crush on him from my physics class. God, and my girlfriend, who had the same name as me, we decided we were going to go to this con- a lighthouse concert. Mm. And so I didn't have the nerve to ask him. So she asked him for me, but he didn't quite understand. I thought I was being asked by the other Donna. Yes. So we get on, we take we take the bus, of course, to go to the concert. Picking up cars, actually. Yeah, and uh, I was fif- I was 15. No, well, no. I was 15, <laughs> so I couldn't drive yet. He gets on the bus and sees the three of us there, and, uh, my friend Donna and her boyfriend and me. So that's when he figured it out. Didn't take me long. That's good. That's good. Was it was it on his face when it happened? Uh, I don't think so. Okay. I'm very chameleon-like. Yeah, 
And uh, I guess the next day it was uh, the audiovisual presentation of, of uh, movies for kids. Okay. Um, at our at the, high school. at the high school, so he always ran it. So I went to help him out. And next the, day we started going steady. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's what we call it, eh? <laughs> at the time, yes. Good. Good. I'll remember such things. I remember what we screened too is Bambi versus Godzilla. What? You ever seen the the clip on that? No. Oh, it's, oh, it's, it's hilarious. It's hilarious. It's on YouTube. Bambi I, versus Godzilla. Uh, Bambi it, meets Godzilla. I think Bambi it's meets Godzilla. It's, yeah. it's about what? Three, four minutes long? Yeah, it's not much more than that. Did you ever wonder what you were doing with that nursing degree? No. No. Uh, you, I mean, were, I loved what I did. Yeah. Um, in Canada, I worked in uh, what's considered community health here. Okay. And I did that for 10 years. Um, Okay, so you you were a registered nurse and you worked as a registered yes, nurse. Yes. Okay. I, okay. I, 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 I have apologize. two bachelor's degrees. Okay. So yeah. In nursing, both in uh, nursing and psychology. Psychology and nursing. She's a strength. Okay. Mm. Oh, nice. <laughs> Careful. So um, no, I, I loved what I was doing, um, and then he got the offer to move to uh, Atlanta or Montreal. Those were our choices. We chose Atlanta. And. Uh, didn't regret that. What does a registered nurse psychologist do in Atlanta when she can't do what she's been doing for the last 10 years? I found a gym. Okay. I took classes. I took classes in, in uh, art, painting, uh, a lot of painting ones. Uh, I can't draw a straight line and I just, these classes look fun, so I took them. And uh, I did knitting. I did crochet, I painted on wood, you know, and, and, and developed a large group of friends who are all the wives of all these guys that have been transferred there with the company. Oh, that's right, because there was, pro how many were of there were you? About a hundred dollars so we got transferred. Yeah. Whoa. Yeah. Well, they were, so did Some were from other cities. Most from Atlanta, most from Ottawa to Atlanta. And, and that was a hundred people or a hundred couples? A hundred couples. Wow. Yeah. Um, what, what happened is we shut down a division up in Canada and basically moved it to headquarters into, into Atlanta. Stone Mountain, right near Stone Mountain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and uh, so we, we moved all these people down. Most of the people ended up in Stone Mountain. Some of them ended up in R&D division of, of Nortel, a town called BNR. And then some others ended up in the sales position, and they're the ones that kind of spread all over the place. You know, so, um, yeah. Made some good friends over the years there. I was she a volunteer it. for the Olympics. I was really? uh, an, uh, on the envoy team for the Romanians. Okay. So, so you were helping the we, Romanians? We were kind of gophers almost, you know, yeah. uh, drive them around, take them around, um, make sure they had everything they needed, uh, stayed in the village overnight in case there were problems overnight with them. Did you have any problems that you had to deal with while you were doing that? Or it was pretty not smooth sailing for not really. Mm, uh, I the mean, 1990s the, the, the bombing. Yeah, I was going to get right there. It was right at yeah. that time, yeah. yeah. But, the Atlanta uh, Olympic bombing. But so within the Olympic Village, it was very safe. Yeah. Huh. Okay. So I, ended, I took MARTA in, which I had never taken before. That was the uh, trip Met, mass Metro transit. Atlanta Regional Transit Authority. Yeah. yeah. 
I'd never taken that before, but it was it was easier than trying to find parking downtown. Oh God, how so, <laughs> It was it was interesting. So. Nice. <laughs> yeah, we trained for a year beforehand. We had to go once Whoa. a week for a year to learn about you know the politics of the Olympics and the background and the the setup and how things worked. I had fun with it. I had yeah. fun with it. Yeah. I only got to, I got to see the um, closing ceremonies. Okay. Um, so, uh, <laughs> I was there. <laughs> yeah, but I think that was the only thing I actually saw. Okay. You didn't get so. to meet any of the athletes. Or? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, the, you did. Uh, okay. The, the gymnastics. The Romanian team. gymnastics. Yeah, the team. girls' team. Okay. Uh, Nadia. Oh yeah. Who? Who? Nadia Comaneci. Okay, who's that? She she was the, the star of the Romanian um, gymnastics. Gold medalist from 76, I think. Whoa. 76 yeah, so they had, you know, a cocktail party at night, and she was there, and we all got to meet her. Nice. Um, yeah. Was there something that stood out to you from those athletes, those Olympians? Uh, the girls on that team were not allowed to eat because they didn't want them to go through puberty. Scary. <clears throat> I mean, they, they needed them to be small and lightweight. And if they ate too much protein, they would go through puberty. So their hips, their hips would widen. They would develop more a body fat. Uh, they, would, they might grow taller and it would just throw things off for them. Okay. As a nurse and psychologist, <laughs> how did that make you feel? I felt sad for them, you know. But I mean, it, in a, a, a communist country, I guess, these girls were living the life and their families benefited from it. So, it for was them, good it was for them. It. Yeah. Yes, it was good for them. Scary, but So you moved to Amsterdam from Atlanta. That brought, I'm guessing, were you traveling a lot? From, oh, yeah. was like Amsterdam your hub and you were going out, like out, and were you staying there or were you traveling with them? Uh, a bit of each. Okay. I mean, originally they told him that <laughs> he would be placed there so he didn't have to travel so much. Well, and the then they plan. gave him Asia. <laughs> it's like, and then they added South America after that. So yes. Like, really? Here's like three billion people go take care of them. Yeah. yeah. It's like, yes. How are it going to be? Wow. <laughs> the people were very direct. Okay. Um, and the language was very difficult. I had taken four years of German in high school, so I thought it would be a bit easier to learn. And, and it, to a point it was, but um, everybody in the main part of the main cities knows how to speak English. Oh, sure. That's helpful. So and, that helped. And there's a large expat community there. Too, yes. So. I got involved with the uh, <clears throat> American Women's Club right away. Like, even before we moved, I met with them. So you, you had already known, you were like, we're going here, I need to touch base with these people because they are from America. Or Canada, or, or Canada. UK, or Australia. Somewhere. Yeah. yeah. 
some somewhere that wasn't Amsterdam. Right. Yeah. Okay. You didn't move there with a hundred other couples. Nope. Did you move there with anyone else, or was it just the two of you? Just us. And the dog. And the dog. Oh. <laughs> you got one or two dogs. Just well, we one. had one. Just one dog. One dog. Okay. And that, that was the green card issue with the dog wasn't a problem. He had a passport. He had a passport. Mm -hmm. <laughs> he he um, they're used to animals there. I could take him. I took him everywhere. Um, you couldn't take him in grocery stores, and you couldn't take him into Chinese food restaurants. <laughs> Which is really uh, weird. But everywhere else, yeah. and anywhere else, anywhere else. Yeah. It so was fun. we took him everywhere. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Him. We traveled all over the years. Took him everywhere. Took him everywhere. So, when you've come from Atlanta to Amsterdam and then back to Atlanta, mm -hmm. is that how that worked? Mm -hmm. yeah. Did you know Amsterdam was going to be a short trip or was it? It was expected to be a two year contract and it turned into three. So, oh, okay. so there was an end point. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Though uh, at the time they were talking about moving us to uh, <laughs> Ireland. Hong Kong. Well, they talked about Hong Kong, but they also talked about Ireland. Yeah, they did. Actually, it wasn't Hong Kong. It was... Was it? Yes, ma'am. Which I would have loved. I, loved I thought that. it was South Korea. Well, that was also in the team. Yeah, okay, because I remember looking at the Korean language, and it looked easier to learn. They, they, they tended to put me wherever the business was. You know, I was a troubleshooter. You know, it's like I lived for... Months in Santiago, Chile. I lived for months in Japan, Tokyo, um, Connecticut, um, San Francisco. Where else was it? Calgary. Six Cal months. Cal Cal Calgary. Yeah. Yeah, six months up in Calgary. That's uh, that's that's what I was good at. Uh, fixing shit. Diagnosing, figuring out what it should be doing, yeah. what it isn't doing, yeah. and how do you can get it to be doing what it needs to do. More, more on the people side than on the engineering side. Got it. So it's more, oh. more customer relationships and finding the right technical people to fix whatever technical issues there may be, and you know, for keeping the customer happy. That's, that's really what I was good at. Yeah. And made some great friends doing that too. Yeah. When, when did you guys? start thinking maybe Atlanta's not where we want to stay. It's got steadily worse. Yeah, I think so. So it's around about twenty seventeen, maybe twenty sixteen, somewhere around there. We had bought a, a cabin in, in Harville, Georgia and still have it. And started to realize there's more to life than freaking Atlanta traffic, you know. So because when you live in Atlanta that is all it's about. It's traffic. It's just traffic. It's traffic. And we it's were crazy. on the outskirts. Yeah. Yeah, we're in northeast Atlanta. It's like, you would think it wouldn't be so bad, but it was bad. Yeah. Because everywhere you go, it took an hour. Everywhere. Yeah. See, that makes sense when you live in the middle of nowhere. It doesn't make sense when you live in the middle of a sprawling Exactly. Metropolis. Exactly. Yeah. Right about then, we started looking at it. I don't know, when I was looking at property for the cabin, I also looked around at you know, the little towns around. And, um, we kind of started looking in south, you know, south Georgia, south South Carolina, decided, you know, swing maybe a bit north and, you know, ended up here, which, you know, you heard, you heard about it. When we saw downtown Greenville, it reminded us so much, so much about our hometown. It was like crazy. Well, it, it is. Where did... You come, so you come from Atlanta, 
to Greer, what was your base of like, okay, so you moved to Atlanta and there were a hundred couples. You moved to Amsterdam, you had already reached out to a group of people, expats that mm -hmm. were there. When you come to Greer, start over. Start all over. Yeah. What'd you do? That bar. <laughs> okay. That, hey, that works. And, I mean, and we found this place actually while we were looking. While we were looking for, we came here on a Sunday yeah. for the brunch. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Sunday brunch at Brewridge Blue. At Brewridge Blue Brewery. Brewery. Yeah. <laughs> In 2018. Yeah, there much. Yeah. 2018. Yeah. yeah. And one of our other good friends, a uh, couple um, from Atlanta, they actually moved to Hendersonville. Which is about uh, 45 minutes to an hour north of us. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so we still see them. Yeah. Okay. The interesting thing is when we moved to Atlanta, they're the couple we moved with. You know. At the same time. So right. we go way back. Way, way back. Way back. Yeah. So even before Atlanta days, back up in Ottawa. Yeah, I worked with you, him. You, you knew him. I didn't know any of the wives, but yeah. you, you knew the guys. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. But, you know, it's also beautiful. Yeah. Weirdly beautiful. Yeah. How do you get involved with Bob Ross? <laughs> I was looking for something to do, and I went to my local Michaels, and this lady was teaching, and I loved the painting that she talked about doing, so I signed up for her next class, and that was in March 2001. Um, and September, the week of September 11, 2001, I started Florida. And yeah, and then I continued the teacher training is three full weeks, uh, which you do one week at a time. So I did the first week in Florida, and then when I moved to Amsterdam, that same teacher was going to be teaching in the south of Holland. And so she came to my place, and I showed her all the museums, and then I drove her down there, and I repeated my first week uh, as a catch-up, kind of. And then I did the second two weeks and became a teacher. So I haven't taught much, hardly at all, but I enjoyed the time. So taught a bit. Yeah. When you think about the teaching aspect of that, is it something that people just don't know that is out there? That, like, you know, how do you get involved with painting? Or is it, you know, maybe where? Because you, you say you haven't taught a lot. Teach more? Uh, if I had a better place to set up, I might. But um, Michaels used to be involved with Bob Ross Company, and then they had a falling out. Um, so they don't stock the products anymore or provide classroom space for any of their teachers. Really? Okay. Um, so Hobby Lobby's got a bit of this. Hobby Lobby sometimes does, but most people teach in their homes. My friend that I took that original class from, uh, she's in Atlanta, and I actually went to Atlanta in March, February, February, February and took a class from her. She's converted a two-car garage into a classroom, and she teaches there <coughs> once or twice a month. So. How do you pick your students? Or do your students pick you? The students pick you. Yeah. Is it like a website thing? Like 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 Tinder? Like you swipe right for the <laughs> teacher you want um, to some talk of the, to? Some or? of these teachers um, advertise. And, um, some of them have YouTube videos. Uh, some of them 
uh, it's word of mouth. And, and if you contact the Bob Ross Company, they'll give you a list of all the teachers near where you live. Oh. You used to have a card up at Michael's when you were... Yeah. Okay. So that's, that, that was the primary way you had a card up in Michael's yeah. and you'd say, hey look, there's mm -hmm. Let me give her a card. Yeah. And you put up the painting you're going to teach. And they okay, look so at you, it. You actually, you have to do the painting first before you say, I'll teach you how to do this. Oh yeah, like two or three times. <laughs> it's technique. Yes. Even I've learned that. So that is something <clears throat> called recreation. Um, it's not leisure. It's not something you do for fun just to let go and let it exist. It is something that you do and do and do. Yeah. The same thing over and over again. Maybe not perfect every time, but a general scene. Never exactly the same. And that's okay. Like in our final week it's of hard. in our final week of training, we had to do a painting exactly how Bob had painted it. And nobody got it exactly right, but I mean, to the point of the, the the squirrel in the tree at a certain spot, you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> so, yeah. But then again, how long has Bob Ross been doing that sort of thing? Oh, yeah. And she, she actually learned from Bob. Really? So, wow. a lot of the teachers I had at the beginning had learned from Bob. Because he, he was... I want to say public broadcasting. Mm -hmm. yeah. So PBS. he was yeah. he was on PBS. What like eighties and nineties? Yeah, yeah. Nearly, yes. nearly every day. Mm -hmm. I remember there was like a drawing teacher from somewhere that well, came on. There was a few of them that did that. Bob. Yeah. But yeah, and it was very interesting mm -hmm. to see how that worked. You know, yeah. and so I still draw in the way that that guy taught me when I was in <laughs> second grade. There you go. Yeah. So You remembered. I remember. That's right. So. Yeah, I, I've kind of expanded my focus a little bit. I, I was going to Vegas for these uh, painting inventions, uh, and I've been to some in Washington, and they were like a week long, uh, seven to ten days kind of thing. Um, and they'd have classes, so you'd pick your schedule and do two or three classes uh, a day if you wanted to. Uh, one was That's a lot long, of work. yes. Uh, some Ooh. of them were eight hours. Uh, they had weekend ones. Some of the teachers that it would be eight hours one day, eight hours the next, assuming they finished in that time period. Um, and so I did a lot more traditional <clears throat> oil, uh, which is very different from the Bob Ross. And I did watercolor and. Uh, didn't do acrylic. I don't like acrylic just because I'm not good at it, I guess. But uh, I just, it's too slow. So. <laughs> Takes a long time to dry. And I really like the traditional oil. Additive. Because traditional oil is very ad an additive process, correct? Um, like you start with your darks and you slowly move to your highlights? Well, all of them you do that a bit. It's the Bob Ross ones are a thicker paint. And they're wet on wet, but I've done the traditional oil and wet on wet. Someone like Dorothy Dent, that's what she used to do um, with traditional oil. Uh, so you put like a wet surface on the canvas and then you paint on top of it. So the colors can mix or not mix as you, you apply them. And you use smaller brushes with traditional oil. So you don't need a two inch brush to uh, make grass. Yeah.
Mind you, making grass with a two-inch brush is just boom, boom, boom. Yeah, it's, it's done. It's much quicker. It's done, yeah. But then if you're using a very fine brush, that's going to take a little bit longer. Mm -hmm. But you get some much clearer detail. Well, it depends what you're looking for, yeah. Exactly. Do you know how many paintings you've made over the last oh, many years? No idea. No idea. A whole room for them. So it's a lot. And you've probably given some away? Oh yeah, lots. <laughs> Do you have a favorite? Me. <laughs> so she paints you every morning? Yeah. No, okay. no I, I've done one portrait in a class, but it's not, uh, it's very difficult and very different. If you don't know how to draw, it's very hard to do some of those. Yeah. And I don't know how to draw. So what's your favorite painting that you've done? I think some of the Robert Warren ones. Mm. Even though he was not the best. He, he was an incredible, he's an incredible artist. He's an incredible um, teacher step by step. But uh, an eight hour class can go 12 hours. Because he likes to talk. So that makes it difficult if you, you know, if you only have a certain amount of energy to deal with it and you've got other classes to do. Robert Warren, the ones you did with Robert Warren, have, even though they may have been a little bit more difficult to get through, they're maybe some of your favorite? Some, yeah, mm -hmm. I would say. Nice. Mm -hmm. Huh. <laughs> I mean... There's some things we could exchange out. <laughs> yeah, I don't think they'll quite fit in with yeah, the decor. I don't, think so. I don't think so. Maybe we just switch everything out for your stuff and then it'll all fit. Yeah, there we go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> nah, I don't think so. <laughs> in all of your travels, what has been the most difficult place for you guys to exist? Dude. Oh, yeah, you didn't like that at all. It's not that I didn't like it. He says, okay, we're going to this island, Jeju. He says, I'm going to do my conference thing, and you go off and do your own. Well, no one spoke English outside of the, uh, the resort, and even within the resort, no one hardly spoke English. Where is Jeju? It's South Korea. South Korea. It's, it's, it's the Hawaii. It's between South Korea and Japan, actually. Yeah, it's Hawaii of South Korea. It's a resort island just off the coast. So, so one day he went out with me and we went into the town nearby and he realized that every time he's gone sightseeing, he's had a guide with him that spoke the language. And we didn't have that. So it, it made it difficult. It was beautiful. It was really beautiful. Oh, yeah. the, the fun of trying to find a taxi back from where we were, which is probably about 40, 50 miles away from the resort was interesting. We finally got one, but it was, it was hard. <laughs> and you guys weren't even there that long. How long were you there? A week. Yeah, a little less than so a week, probably. That must have been a very rough week. Well, there was always stuff. I just stayed within the resort after that, you know. I went next door where there was a conference center and they had... Restaurants and shops. Stuff, and, yeah. yeah. Beautiful beach, beautiful pool. Lighthouses. Really? Windmills. Lighthouses. Windmills. 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 Yeah. It's a Dutch On influence. A, it, the, the actual windmills. 
the story is Dutch had sent a ship out that way and it, uh, it capsized. So they colonized part of the island uh, after the ship went down and decided to build windmills to do what windmills do, which is crush grain and, and they stayed. It was at least two that had uh, remained over time. So there's like, is there still like a Dutch population there, or is I, it? I didn't I have so. any Did they evidence. get picked up? Like, yeah. you know, eventually the Dutch were like, okay, we see all these windmills. This is probably a sign for help. Let's go pick I'm, up our kinfolk. I'm sure because there was nobody that looked yeah, Dutch. Yeah, the Dutch spice traders around were yeah. were abundant at that time period. Well, they were all over South Asia. Well, I think, if I remember correctly, and this could be wildly mistaken, but the Dutch, I thought, were the only ones permitted to trade with Japan for a while. I think so. Basically until the U.S. showed up and said, Hey, we're taking over. Yeah. We want to be in here. So, that that was a big thing. So yeah, I think you're right. Very interesting. Good place, but like I said, it's kind of difficult. I've never had problems otherwise. I and mean, I've been all over the world. And they haven't, and you haven't been back. So you don't know, oh, maybe, no. maybe they've decided to add in some different English classes for mm, our I convenience. It. I, I, I kind of <laughs> doubt it. I kind of doubt it. Because the, uh, it, I mean, this resort was, was, they did tours of it. The locals did tours of it from the other hotels. That's how oh. great it was. Mm. Uh, but everybody was either Korean or Japanese. So it was very, very closed off sort of environment. Oh, yeah. yeah. And you were there for a telecommunications conference, I'm assuming? Yeah. At my, uh, my resellers, we were teaching our resellers how to use our products. Oh. Yeah. So that's why I was there. Now, when you travel and you're going from place to place to place to place, how do you keep everything straight in your head? Are, like, are you moving, like, I guess I'm assuming you're going from point to point to point with very few breaks, but you're probably coming back and forth. Oh, yeah, I did a lot of back and forth. I, I'm, I'm laughing. So it might be like a week or two home. I, I don't know what you're Usually three weeks on the road. Three yeah. weeks on the road, yeah. and then a how week, long? A week home. A week back, home. Back I'm, I'm, I'm grinning because one of the trips, I, well, in fact, I did two trips like this. Let me, let me give you my stops. Amsterdam to Madrid, Madrid to I think Lisbon, Lisbon to uh, uh, in Brazil, Rio de Janeiro, Rio de Janeiro to Buenos Aires, Buenos Aires to Santiago, Santiago to Los Angeles, Los Angeles to Auckland, Auckland to Melbourne, Melbourne to <laughs> he ran out. You, you, you're not going to keep up. You're not going to Melbourne to I ended up in South Korea. South Korea to Malaysia, Kuala Lumpur, Kuala Lumpur to Johannesburg, Johannesburg to Amsterdam. That was three weeks. That was three weeks. Yeah. Three weeks, and you traveled further than 98% of the world will travel in their entire life. Probably. Yeah, I did that twice. Not that same trip. Not that same trip, very but similar. still a very similar trip where you probably circumnavigated the globe. Well, so the, the, the trick I learned over the years was if you're going to do a lot of foreign travel, you get what's called a round-the-world ticket. And you, you pay, at the time it was, you know, 8000 bucks, and you fly business class. As long as you keep going in one direction around the world, you can make as many stops as you want, take as long as you want, and you end up back in the home. 
And it's way cheaper than the individual. Oh God, way, way cheaper than the individual tickets. Their tickets are way more than eight thousand dollars. This was ten years ago. Oh yeah. So it's like, I don't know what they are now. I don't want to know. But still, even if they weren't that, I mean, even if they were like fifteen, sixteen thousand dollars, I mean, that's still a deal when you start oh, yeah. looking at ticket prices. Yep. It's not bad. You guys are giving me some really good ideas. Yeah, that's. I know they still got them. They're on the world tickets. So you just gotta follow the rules. Yeah. Do the thing right. Yeah. Thank you for listening to the Negative Space Podcast. I've been your host, Sean, and if you are enjoying this content, please click the subscribe button to get more of this every week. Also, there's a weekly newsletter that you can be involved with as well. We're starting to get a little bit of a community going here, and we'd love to hear all that you have to say about what's going on in our neck of the woods. Thank you, and go be good neighbors.